0: Hello and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. The purpose of this podcast is to create a safe place to heal, transformation, and evolve. Your host, Michelle Manning, is the creator of the Quantum Soul Clearing Process. Each week, we'll be bringing you new and innovative ways to heal and transform every area of your life, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, and financially. So you are free to bring your gifts and talents into the world to become the best version of who you are designed to be and help revolutionize the world. This show will inspire you, lift you, connect you, and give you access to the most cutting edge healing resources available anywhere on the planet. This is the Epic Healing Transformations Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. I'm your host, Michelle Manning, and today I have with me Christine Madera. Christine Madera has been a spiritual adventurer since her childhood when she realized that her body and her spirit inhabited two different worlds. Her life focus has been to merge these two experiences and to live as her full divine being in the physical world, and I'm sure many of you listening can relate to this. She weaves together over 20 years of mind-body-spirit work as a hypnotist. Therapist, a wellness coach, yoga and meditation instructor. She does Akashic Records reading. She's a writer, speaker, world traveler, and an essential oil practitioner to help you live the freedom of being simply naturally you. Christine, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Michelle, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on here. I've been looking forward to this for for weeks now.
1: I know, I have been too. I have been too. And we've had a couple of um small delays. So
2: I'm glad we're finally
1: together. Thanks. Thanks to the fact that I can now speak. Well, that's important. <laughs> it is. So, so a lot of our listeners want to know, I mean, I'm absolutely dying to know how, how you realized you were actually living in two different realms. That's kind of an important thing to know and to understand. And I think, I think a lot of our listeners understand that, but I think there are many who don't.
2: Well, okay, so for me, this happened about the same time. I was like six or, or not six, about seven or eight. And it's about that same time you kind of shift from the magical thinking to the age of reason, you know, you move into that space. So it was part of that. And I had realized that um, I had a very rich inner world from the time that I was quite young. And then I had this sort of surface world that I had to, to other people were in that I na- had to do things in and navigate in, but it wasn't really that real to me. I, like, it was just something I had to show up to, yeah. but yeah my whole rest of my life was was really internal and my my whole family was was like that it was like we are all very internal beings that all met for dinner you know it was really kind
1: of That's strange interesting I I, um, I can relate to that I used to say we were all these little different planets that were kind of rotating yeah. around the home
2: <laughs> yeah it was very much like that and I don't think I really realized the um the extent of that. And so I had this experience where, you know, I was, I was deep into the internal world. I was very connected to the divine to, you know, I had my own, like we had, you had your nightly prayers with the family and then I, they'd leave and I'd be like, okay, now we're getting down to business. Like now we got to really talk because there's some stuff going on and, and this isn't working for me or whatever. Yeah. And um, so I had that really deep connection. And then um, I had, there was a, a my friend's mother died. Mm -hmm. and she kind of um and dead people sort of don't come to me like a medium sort of thing but they're they kind of just become they kind of become present to me and I just know that they're there and that happened it was the first time that it happened that I was really aware that it happened and and it was a pretty intense time anyway you know at that that crazy age and I thought this is too much I cannot navigate both of these worlds and I said I I can't you know I, I take away this this the, the thing that was most painful then, which was the spirit world. Yeah. And I'll just do the whole surface world thing because I have to be there anyway. And I felt this withering in my body. It was almost like a balloon that popped inside of me. And the whole inside of me just disappeared. Mm, interesting. And it was crazy. And it was really, um, I didn't really understand how much of the two worlds I was in until the one world was gone. Wow. And then all I had left was a surface world. I mean, I didn't really, because I'm sure on the cosmic level, I didn't, but but we're that powerful. And that's one thing, you know, it's really interesting that we're so powerful that we can demand something like that, even as a child, and it happens.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, because I remember being, you know, when I was eight years old and my grandfather died, um, and and, you know, praying so hard that he would live and then didn't, and then feeling like... Uh, like, you know, God had let me down or, and, and I had let God down that some, in some way I wasn't perfect. And I remember shutting off all of my intuitive gifts and, and it is just exactly like that. It's like everything inside just kind of collapses and that, that expanded world just got really quiet. Um, and then, but, but it was also, for me, it was really kind of disorienting because suddenly I ended up in this world that it was like, ooh, crap, I don't belong here.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, amen. And you know, the interesting thing is right after that happened, I, was, I realized it and I'm like, oh! I'm like, I take it back, I take it back, I take it back, I take it back. But of course, that wasn't powerful enough to override what had just happened. And so my whole rest of my life was really about kind of reclaiming that um, in a more adult empowered way. Yeah, um, I get what you mean because like when that was gone and I was in the surface world, I'm like, I don't think like, people are nuts. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how that this makes this. sense. No, <laughs> without that inner thing, like the outside made no sense. It was nothing there that was that mm-hmm. I felt part of. It was crazy.
1: No, and and I, I and I don't know about you, but for me, I had already displayed all of these really unique gifts and had already felt alienated to begin with. So, so um, you know, I mean, when you answer people's thoughts, and honestly, it was, it, I, I say they collapsed, I think they went into hibernation. I, mm-hmm. I really do. And, and in my 20s, I was able to bring a lot of them back, but it was never quite the same. It's been more, um, I, I had to work at it, whereas before it was just so, I mean, it was just a part of me. So. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, what, have you noticed that as well when you when you begin reintegrating or you know pulling back in that those gifts from that inner world? Do you feel like do you feel like it was more of a struggle to do it or or?
2: Oh yeah, not I mean it was right not more? it was not seamless at all. You know, and in, in the in when you're young, and I think this is a an attribute of you know, children anyway, unless they've been highly traumatized, that they have that fluidity oh, yeah. with the spirit world and that you, you're in that place of trust. You're in that place of, you know, this is, of course, this is just what life is until you get taught that it's not. And then, you know, when you yeah. get rid of that or that goes away or it gets, whenever, you know, Drummed out of you somehow. It is really having to teach yourself that it's okay, that it's actually true, that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. And so for me, it has been like this little bit and little bit and little bit. But you know, um, it was interesting. I did a little experiment uh, a couple weeks ago where I was writing about a trip that I took, and I I called it my faithcation. Like I wanted to i was 23 uh-huh. and i needed to prove that the but and my words at the time were god but the universe was trustworthy which basically meant i needed to be able to trust myself but i also the dynamic was i needed to trust you know that that god would be there for me and so i i went um this was during the collapse of the Soviet Union, ooh, and um, and yeah, and, <laughs> and of deeply,
1: course you would go there. <laughs>
2: I, of course I would go there, and then communist China back before it was opened up. Real, I mean, it was opened up technically, but it was really. I mean, they had opened their first three-star hotel. Um, they had just opened up a, the first pizza restaurant, but not a name-brand thing. Wow. Um, so it was back in the day, you know, and it was really it was before the internet, it was before cell phones, and it was like me knowing that I would have to show up in situations where. I had nothing that was familiar to fall back on and that all I could do was say, all right, where do we go now? And so I I did a little writing exercise on that. And I realized that then, and even before then, like that, when I was in unfamiliar situations, I always knew, like I was back in that seamless place Mm -hmm. and then back. And then once I was out of that, um, and into something that was familiar, I went back into kind of that default mode of sort of, um, you know, well, this is what's supposed to happen. And so, of course, you're kind of right in that line again and not open to the po- what's possible or open to the miracles. You're just sort of open to what you think is going to happen. Yeah. So it's always been that kind of crazy navigation back and forth
1: but how cool and and what an extraordinary experience to be in those two countries at such a pivotal time in their mm-hmm. in their history and in their evolution um you know both of both of those countries well our country I, every country goes through <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes <We're also> there. <laughs>
1: let's all go there <laughs> every country goes through you know some form of revolution slash evolution
2: yeah.
1: and but what an extraordinary experience so so give me an example of or give us an example if you would of what it's like to to be in that place of flow I mean what is it like being in you know in in not one but two communist countries that Mm -hmm. that you know without resources and because as you're talking i (laughs) I, I I still have trouble traveling, even in this country, and you know I have travel anxiety that I think mm. is probably generational. Been working on that a while, and I and I travel better than I used to, uh-huh. but but you know even even as as you know this this last couple of months, I was in Los Angeles and couldn't find or couldn't connect with the person that I was supposed to connect to. She'd lost her phone, and. I went into an absolute panic. So, and that's with communication and, and, you know, and it was funny because she had emailed me and it was, and she on her computer where she had had a hotspot at one moment and she said, Mm -hmm. I'm leaving now. And I'm like, but, but, and I didn't know if it meant she was leaving the car dealership, you know, the re- car rental place. Right, if yeah. up. I didn't know if it was like, I'm leaving you.
2: Right. Yeah. Oh my God. All this
1: insecurity comes up and I'm like, <sighs> and I remember calling, you know, another friend in Los Angeles saying, I can't, and I was so close. I was, I was this close to losing it. I was oh so gosh. close to losing it. And I'm like, okay, take a breath. You have credit cards. Mm-hmm. You have money. Mm-hmm. You have it's not a foreign country we all mostly speak English <laughs> in some form or another here yes. <laughs> this it this is not a catastrophe and I'm like mm-hmm. yes it is yes it is yes it is, yes it is. <laughs> but it was funny watching my crazy monkey uh-huh. mind when things didn't just go smoothly and and I you know I was reflecting on on people who travel and you know my daughter travels extensively and stuff happens and and she just mm-hmm. you know she seems to flow with it I don't flow with it as well so Talk to me about what it's like being in the country without communication, okay. without a cell phone, I mean, without computers, because this was before then.
2: This was before then. So there was no expectation that that would be there. So there, that's one thing. It's not like you were used to it and all of a sudden there was nothing. Yeah. And I had been living in Japan. So when I graduated from college, um, the economy was not as bad as it was in 2008 but, or 2009, but it, was, it wasn't it was great. And so I went and taught English in Japan. So I was already kind of in the travel mode and in the place of being um being Okay, in the unfamiliar, basically. Oh yeah. And um, so, but the one the one story that I really like when this in this one is that I had been traveling for a while with people. Like when you travel this way, your daughter's probably similar. You find people to travel with. Yeah. Uh, When it's more fun, to it's safer, and then you just kind of move people as you go through. So I had gone from um, a friend of mine who spoke. Russian, I guess, helped me get a ticket from Moscow to St. Petersburg, which wow. had just changed back to St. Petersburg from Leningrad. So everything is in disarray anyway. And I got there and I had a phone number and two phone numbers. One phone number was um, a, a guy that um, was a family friend that was staying at a hotel about 10 miles outside of St. Petersburg who had said that I could come and stay there and or at least wanted me to contact him so that I could tell my he could tell my mom that I was alive because there's, you know, there's not many ways of communicating. <laughs> <laughs> that right and so i called that and there's like a thousand hotel rooms out there my book and um any of the maps that i had didn't include getting out there and back and, and i didn't know if i could get out there and back um without being able to have be sure he was there so i called oh no he's not staying here i'm like i know he's staying there oh no he's <laughs> not and he just wouldn't say so i called like four or five times and the same woman's like no no He's not here, and I'm like, oh my god! So I couldn't go out and search a thousand rooms for this guy. So I had called my second phone number, which was um, kind of like the early Airbnb. It's a you know somebody that would underground kind of opens their home to people and so i called him and he had somebody staying in his house for the next three days and so i couldn't go i couldn't stay with him either and i was there outside of interest so at the time you as a westerner you were supposed to come in through the interest system which is the official um the official tourism agency and stay in the high-priced hotels eat in high-priced stuff and be like ferried around from you know approved site to approved site to approved site i came in through china um, on the train (sighs) So we came in, I came in the back door. So I wasn't in interest. I didn't want to be part of interest. There was an, a Waldorf Astoria hotel there. It was $300 a night, which would have taken like all of my budget. And I would have been, they're like, well, what is your interest? Whatever. And I'm like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be connected with them because then all of a sudden you're, you're, in, you're on track there, right? Yeah. So I, um, I sat down and I'm like, okay. This is, what's, this, is, this is what's happening. Like it was radical acceptance. I'm like, all right, I am homeless in St. Petersburg. I don't speak Russian. This is common. There's nowhere to eat that I can see besides the train station and the ice cream shop or the ice cream cart, and it's like you know, 30 degrees. So I thought, all right. So I sat for a few minutes and I said, I said all right, God, this is my plan this is what I'm going to go with until you tell me there's something better to do. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to watch for people to come off the trains and I'm going to see somebody who looks like they speak English and they're going to have the next piece for me. That's my wow. <laughs> so I went and I went to the train station, I got my, my snack and I sat there and I watched train after train after train for about two and a half hours, people coming out. And I finally saw these two guys and I'm like, they speak English. So I walked up to them and I said, do you, you, know, do you speak English? And, and one spoke better than the other. They were Polish. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, what's, you know, what are you doing? Or what's, what can I help you with? And I said, well, I told him the whole story. And he said, well, you know, it's interesting. We're traveling with a group of American Aikido instructors and they're on the next train. And there was a woman who couldn't come at the last minute. So there's a bed. Oh. Um, In with them and I'm sure they would let you at least stay for one night so that they could find a place. Whoa (laughs) So I'm like rock. So we wait they they come and um, they, they were there for three days I needed a place for three days. They let me stay with them for three days I got to eat because they already had everything booked up so I was I got to eat and I got a nice safe place to stay and I got to watch Aikido demonstrations and I meet some cool people and then by the time they were leaving Moscow, um, this guy had a, a bed for me, so I was all. <sighs> but it was
1: amazing.
2: Have, <laughs> I know, but had I not been able to to just sit and be quiet, and be like, okay, so this is my next step forward, and I'm open to I'm open to whatever happens, because sometimes I take one step and then something else happens, and then you follow that. But if I would have freaked out, which would have been really easy to do, because part of me was like, "Do you know what's happening? Do you, you know, do we need to go to the consulate? Like, where's the embassy? <laughs> Surely somebody can help." Um, but I was able. I was about a month and a half into my faith case at that point, and I was like really figuring out how to, how this worked, and and it all worked out, and it was amazing.
1: That is it. That is amazing. So I want to loop back to something that you said that I, that I, I, this is the important piece. I mean, not that the story wasn't important because it was, but the important piece was you got quiet and you started to listen. Talk to us more about that because, because this is really, this is really where faith meets the road, you know, where the rubber, the the rubber of faith meets the road of the 3D. (laughs) So, so talk to me a little bit more about that because this is really an important concept.
2: And that you're right, it is absolutely critically important. If you are in that mind loop, if you're in the brain loop, if you are running through um, the panic and stuff, you're actually you're running your nervous system, and you're running through all of the, the, the programming in your nervous system. And you're trying to find an answer based on factors that you don't actually have. So you always stay in this loop the way that the, the place where there are answers is in that knowing place in that place of wisdom in that heart centered place that has access to all of the information and connections that you don't have wow and so you can only access that when you become quiet, when you get out of that um, stress response and you get into a more of a relaxation response and you're able to tune your inner ear into that quiet space and and hear, and I don't mean hear like with words, usually if it comes with words, except for a couple of um, examples I could give. Most of the time when it comes with words, it comes from your head. Mm -hmm. Um, Other times, um, usually it comes as some form of either knowing or of an impression Or of a feeling, or everybody's got their own language of knowing. And learning what that is um, and being able to get quiet and tap into that is really key, especially as we're moving forward now, because we're moving into an age where nothing that has worked in the past is going to work. So nothing that you have wired in your head is going to be useful. So the only way you're going to find your path forward is by getting quiet and tapping in and, and knowing, getting to know your um, knowing language and utilizing that um, to get your direction forward.
1: Well, and really this, this is such a profoundly important piece of information because we are so wired into technology, but what do we do when technology doesn't work? And, and that experience in Los Angeles was just a tiny little piece because it was just I couldn't communicate with the person who, I w- who was picking me up. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I was not connected to the rest of the world. What happens? And, and I've said, you know, <laughs> we've based, we based our lives on all of this technology. But what happens when the lights go out? Because it, they are going to go out at some point.
2: Well, what and that's, you- the, I don't know that, you know, that's something I think about as well. Because when you build a society that's so extended out, Mm-hmm. You know, from everything, like most of us, we can't grow our own food. No. We couldn't go hunt our own deer. Um, we couldn't find our own water. Like, yeah. you know, we'd have three days if we'd all be dead. Yeah. And it's really, <laughs> yeah. I think about this and I think, you know, it's not that the, the grid goes down. If, you know, all these things that happen, um, if the cloud goes down, God forbid, everything we have in the cloud, is all, it's all I know. gone. Everything. Is, and all of that, the thing is, it's all also an extension of the illusion. Exactly. And the thing that is real is that connection, and so even when the shit hits the fan because it probably will, um, whether it 's a small thing like not meeting a friend because you you know you missed out on a connection or because the lights go out, and all of a sudden you 've got two weeks and you 've got access to nothing um, a, then you, to be able to move forward, um, you do have to come into that place of knowing so there's always a way forward. It's not always a comfortable way forward, but there's always a way forward. Uh, but you have to really begin to get quiet and listen. And part of it is listening before that happens. So listening so that you're prepared, listening so that, you know, you know, if, um, if, if something, listening so that if you have a sense that you're supposed to move somewhere, that you actually do it. You have a have a sense if you're supposed to take a vacation in a particular place at a particular time. Probably not a bad idea to go do that. <laughs> you know, to to start listening now so that you maybe aren't in a critical place when something happens.
1: I want to go back to this in just a minute. We we need to take a commercial break here and okay. and but I, I really want to talk about this more. And how do you, and and. And so when we come back, I really want to talk about how do you really begin that inner listening and and some of the tools that you use also um, to do that. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Hang on. Hang on. We'll be right back, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to Epic Healing Transformations. I'm here with Christine Madera. And we were just talking about, and she was just going to talk to us a little bit about how to really get in and listen to that intuition. Because... That intuition is the part that is the real part of us. And so, so tell us a little bit how you, yeah, I mean, when the lights go off, because <laughs> we were talking about the lights going off, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, the tragedy of it all, um, but, but really that, that real connection within is, is the real reality. Wouldn't you agree? Yes.
2: Absolutely, that is the real reality, yeah, yeah, and so what what are some
1: of the ways that that you get into physical body because this is really the meat of of who we are, and this is, this is really an important conversation for everybody and and I know that more and more people are talking about mindfulness and you know that, that personal connection, but unless that is really deep inside of us. Mm-hmm you know, a lot of us are still living up here. And so, so talk, to, talk to us a little bit about how you get back into or how you get into that, that flow, into that connection.
2: Okay. But, well, you know, it's interesting we use the word mindfulness because as if it's all about the brain, um, because <laughs> the brain is kind of what gets us out of the, in, uh, gets in the way of this. Yeah. And um, so one of the things to be aware of are the stories that you're telling yourself about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So whether it's whether it's your daily life or it is a time that you know the lights go off, uh, be be aware of what your what your what your stories are and how you are framing things because oftentimes the way that we frame the way that we frame things is how we see life and the way that we frame life is how it shows up for us and so if you are framing your life like you know you're supposed to be meeting your friend that her lost her phone you get this email i don't know what's (laughs) going to happen the world is collapsing oh my gosh i'll never be sane again all of this kind of stuff you know that's those are crazy stories that we all go into because we are all kind of wired to go into you know when we hit panic we just we just go down that road and for a long period of time so Brene brown has this really great pause that you that can go into immediately. And it's a great practice to have in daily life. And, and it is, um, she talks about um, the story that I'm telling myself about this is.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. And so whether, you know, even before you're in crisis, when you're in your, when you feel stuck in your life, when you feel like you're kind of in your head, when things are not going right, sit back and like pause for a moment, breathe, come into the heart and just go, You know, the story I'm telling myself about what's happening is, and externalize it a little bit, analyze it a little bit, bring it out in front of you like a little video instead of having it spin out inside of you. And that gives you a little bit of distance. It begins to pull it out of like your nervous system and into your intellectual system, which can bridge that gap between panic and um, presence.
1: So so I think you've said something really, really important here because the story around an event is is what really shapes our reality. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, you know, in another interview that I was doing, um, I had a um uh Stephen Sashin from Zero Shoes who was in Tiananmen Square when everything was going down. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was saying it was like time stopped and 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 he said i knew in that moment that i would be safe and at one level and at another that was like hmm, i could die today <laughs> um but but it was the story afterwards that really traumatized him and so and so talk a little bit more about story and what it actually does to our brain both positively and negatively because the story is and we all
2: have them. They're, they're both conscious and subconscious, wouldn't oh, you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the subconscious ones inform the conscious ones. And the it, Albert Einstein said once that the, the most important decision that you can make is whether or not you live in a friendly universe. And that really is because if your story about life is that you always have to be on defense, that you always have to be on guard, that you've got to fight for every little thing, that nobody has your back, that God is against you, imagine how different your life would be than if you had the same life by thinking I'm always protected. I'm always, you know, God's always got my back. Um, every, you know, things will always work out for me, even if they don't seem to in the moment. I mean, those deep underlying fundamental stories inform everything, and then we layer and layer and layer stories on top of that, so it becomes harder to disentangle. But if you can go to, back to a core story like that and look at it, um, some of those deep, deep things, you can transform your whole life pretty quickly by just retelling all those stories.
1: Wow. That's that's huge. And so going within, you know, dropping down and getting in that clear clean space and and that's what I found that I had to do to mm-hmm. stop the anxiety, the panic that I was having, you know, when I was in Los Angeles at the airport, which is a little difficult to do and I, and I really want to get your techniques for doing this as well because mm-hmm. because I could have used <laughs> I mean I used tapping, I used some deep mm-hmm. breathing, I used, you know, it's like just stop you know this yeah. I, I really had to work with myself to get myself out of my head because I and I could tell that there was an underlying story mm-hmm. of not being safe and of being abandoned so so talk talk a little bit about that if you would tell us. You know, tell us when you're in that panic space and and obviously, this has to happen beforehand. So talk to us a little <laughs> bit about what happens before and and once you're in that space, how you get the
2: heck out of it right. right. so so one of the things, like when you're when you, when one of the things your mind does is it always looks for proof for what you believe, yeah and so when you get in that spin out mode of i feel abandoned all of these kinds of things you know you'll you go back to it's like little little pearls on a strand all the times that you felt abandoned all the proof that you've been abandoned in the world and it mm-hmm. all runs on that biochemistry running through your body because it's all pricked with the same biochemical emotions are all just biochemistry yeah. in the body if you begin like if you want to feel like you are um to change that so that you're not abandoned, you begin to tell yourself stories pointing out prior to this, but you can also talk yourself off the ledge with this um, to begin. My my friend calls it, um, but you begin to look for proof that you are totally safe and cared for. And you Mm -hmm. begin to look at the times in your life. Like when I go back to those stories about my travels, or I look at other parts of my life when I feel really like I'm all by myself and I'm like, God, that's so stupid because look at this, look at this, look at this, look at all the proof that I need, that I am deeply, deeply loved, valued, protected, cared for, and everything all of the time is all there. It's just that I can choose to look at that and build stories around that, or I can choose to look at the times I was abandoned and um, choose stories around that. And a lot of it's yeah. biochemicals. So to build up a bank of that biochemistry of feeling protected and loved and safe so that when you get to those times where your biochemistry is pulling you down that road and you come into presence and you become quiet and you drop into the body, you, kind of, you can connect with your heart, breathe in through the heart, deep diaphragmic breaths. You know, the diaphragm is, I call it your magic muscle. When you Mm -hmm. begin to use that, you begin to shift. It's it's just a physiological thing. You begin to shift your body from stress toward calm. So using that, coming into the body, coming into the heart, really centering, and then, um, you know, usually our mind's racing. So trying to get a quiet mind, not going to happen. But you can begin <laughs> to change the stories.
1: So not going to happen.
2: <laughs> I, no, it's not. You can begin to use your intellectual mind, which is what it, you know, to, to help you so that you're like, okay, we want to switch out of this and we want to move into feeling you know go back to the stories that we know about being protected and then as you tell yourself those stories you're you're changing what's happening inside You're, you're changing your biochemistry from panic to feeling protected to feeling more in the moment to feeling more spacious and it's in that spaciousness that you can sit and become quiet and say okay so let's just be here for a moment and see you know and accept what is and then see if something comes up um you know, usually rising, rising up is is how we get that information versus coming back into the head. I've got some head stories, but mostly it's the rising up. Um, and arts and voice stories, actually. But um, getting, you're creating that spaciousness. And it's a body process. It's not, you know, you it's a, it's, a, it's a physiological thing, which is why it's so important to be in the body when you are, are going through this so that you know how your body works um, when you're in panic and you know how it works when you're in presence and you know how to get from panic to presence.
1: So, so you have a daily practice or, or, and you teach your clients how to do this mindfulness or this, this embodiment. It's, it's, it's more than just mind, you know, it, because mindfulness is like somewhere up here versus, you know, versus that, that in your body. And this is when, and I think you've said this very clearly, but for me, when, when I get my best information is when I'm really in my physical body and I'm really connected, you know, in, in, in my quantum cell clearing process, I talk about dropping down into that divine core center. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, my, it's my solar plexus, you know, it's, it's my spleen area in my human design. And I didn't realize that until years later after I created, but for some people it is their chest. And for some people it's down even deeper down into, you know, the sacrum area even. So understanding how you're put together and how you get your emotion, you know, your emotional centering is really important. Don't you think?
2: I do. And, um, a <laughs> few, it does take practice though, which is why I think they call it spiritual practice, because uh-huh. if you wait until there's a problem, you're not going to be able to get there. So like you used human design and I'm, I'm a sacral person. I yeah. think. can't remember. I'm a deep, I'm a deeper down one. Um, And that's how I used to try to, you know, I connect with my heart and I used to try to get the information from my heart, but I actually really get the deep knowing from my gut. Mm -hmm. And so they have to match for me. I don't get misinformation from the heart, but I get fuller information from the gut. Yeah. so I come into the heart the heart is really as a sensory organ is the organ that is connected to all that is okay. so it is your access to that information Seem so to be quiet in the heart but then you know your information processes through in different ways and I forget your original question now with this but um, oh, one of the things that I do um, as I did I taught people how to be very Um, present with what's happening in their body, and then to notice as things were happening in the body, that to notice the physiological aspects of emotion, to not label it, to not, you know, when I ask people, well, what are you feeling? I'm feeling guilt, I'm feeling guilt, feeling guilty. I'm like, how do you know that you're feeling that? You know, how how do you know in your body that you're feeling that? That guilt is an interpretation, but how do you know that in your body? What does it feel like? How does it resonate? And so sometimes it comes as a color, sometimes it's a sensation, sometimes it's something else. But if you can find that and you can sit with it, Mm -hmm. and you can allow it to kind of tell its story, not a mental story, but to just unwind the body chemistry, to unwind where it's locked up, Mm -hmm. it'll lift off, it'll clear, and that layer's gone forever.
1: Well, and I I love what you just said, because if we can acknowledge our feelings. If we can just sit with them, they're mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just an emotion. We're not going to die from them generally.
2: <clears throat> no, it's body chemistry. Never. <laughs> that, no, it, it's just body chemistry. And that's, that's all it is. Yeah.
1: But, but I loved what you said, just sitting with it, feeling it, Acknowledging it. Sometimes those emotions come up simply to be acknowledged. They just want to be acknowledged. And yeah. once they're acknowledged, they just kind of go, hey, okay, whatever. And, the, and they're off. But yeah. we've been so entrained, I think, in the society to say, oh, bad feelings. And especially in the spiritual community, never feel anything <laughs> bad. Never feel anything bad because you know, God know. knows you're going to be creating it. And it's like, it's the pressure. <laughs> horse hockey. We yeah. are human beings, we have a vast range of yeah. emotions. And if we can only feel, you know, fifteen of them on the high spectrum, sorry. <laughs> that doesn't even compute to me. It's no.
2: It's like a pendulum. If you can't feel one end of the pendulum, like if you can only feel this end of the pendulum, you can't feel that end of the pendulum. So you can't really feel that because you're not willing to feel that. So everything is just muted in the center, which I think is the one reason why spiritual people get so frustrated because they feel like they're stuck because they never get anywhere because they won't let themselves feel and experience the painful things.
1: Are they stuck in the painful (laughs) thing? Well, and, and in that numb place, you know, we, anyway, yeah, that, that we could have you back on talking about this forever because. (laughs)
2: That's one of my favorite things to talk
1: about. (laughs) Mine too. (laughs) So, so, um, so can you run us through uh, a a variation or a, a way that you just drop in and go into that emotional place, that, that deep connected place?
2: Okay. Um, And I also, one of the other ways that I use now, and I brought it into my practice, and I shifted everything over to essential oil. So if people have those, you Mm. can use that with this because in essential oil, what it does is it goes straight into your brain and your olfactory system. Whatever you are feeling or thinking, it's like pattern interrupt. Oh, wow. It's an immediate pattern disruptor. So when they-
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go
2: ahead, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, so so the scent then, as it goes through the olfactory system, gets, gets sent directly to the amygdala, doesn't it? Which is where we store emotion.
2: Yeah, and it's the only, and it's actually more than just the scent. It is actually the biochemistry or the chemistry within an oil. Mm-hmm. So if you're smelling something that's synthetic, like Pledge, or if you're smelling something that like a lot of essential oils <laughs> are, have a lot of synthetics in them, and people are like, well, they don't work. I'm like, well, that's not really an oil. So, you know, it doesn't right. work. It's that it's the, um, the chemistry within a real oil that interacts with your brain and begins to, you know, shift what's going on in your brain. So you get an immediate, um, shift yeah, in your amygdala because your, your scent is the only, um, sense. Okay. I was tripping over that word for there for a second. So scent smelling is your, is the only sense that bypasses all judgment
1: is it really
2: yes so when you when you're using essential oil and you're doing this intentionally you can pattern interrupt thoughts and feelings and then you have a, a moment of spaciousness to make a different choice now
1: Holy cow. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: so you have to choose to make that different choice and sometimes you know you're you're huffing this for a while before you can get enough spaciousness to make another choice but um when you're able to make that choice and you have that spaciousness um, and that pattern is interrupted, you really do have much more, um, much more options, many more options available to you than you would if you were, you know, trying to do an either or of right. like, well, I don't want this. So I must want that because it's the opposite of it.
1: So what are some of the best oils? And, and first of all, let, let's talk about oils. And then I want you to go into the process yeah, of, we'll of being, you know, getting centered. So what are some of the favorite oils that you have for those pattern interrupts?
2: Oh gosh, you know, you can use anything to pattern interrupt because everything will just shift on a dime. Mm -hmm. Some of the really good ones, though, especially ones that are quite common, are things like lavender, peppermint, lemon, any citrus oil is Mm. really good at that. Frankincense, which is one of my favorites, is a great one to pair with anything. So you pattern interrupt with, you know, lemon or whatever. And then as you're in your spaciousness, Frankincense can help you to expand that spaciousness because it really Mm -hmm. helps you to tap into your truth and your light. Um, It's a very high frequency oil. So it helps you to connect with your, um, your infinite self and you then have even more, um, more options because you're open to a greater sense of possibility than you would be if you are relying on, on the options available to your mind.
1: That's awesome. That absolutely is awesome. So um, run us through, Run us through a process of getting really centered and getting really present. Okay. If you would.
2: <laughs> I will. So, um, if you, unless you're driving, close your eyes and just begin to breathe. Start by breathing, inhaling in. You can do nose, you can do mouth, there's whatever you're comfortable with, all the way down into the deep diaphragm. That muscle beneath the lungs draws your breath down into the hips. Slow inhale, slow exhale. And just notice your breath. And as thoughts come, because they do come, bring your attention back to your breath. Your mind can have random thoughts and your attention can be quiet. And that helps move you into presence. And then bring your awareness into your heart space. And imagine that you are breathing in through your heart, down into the deep diaphragm and back out through the heart. And then as you're breathing in through the heart, breathe into the diaphragm and imagine you're breathing all the way down through the diaphragm, through the hips, through the bottoms of the feet, into the earth. and exhaling back out Mm. and so when the mind gets quiet and the body gets quiet sometimes emotions get very loud and sometimes they don't but do a quick tuning into the body and see if there is anywhere that feels like it has lots of sensation or is numb or feels like it's not there or feels like it's too too there and if you can find that space without any judgment at all imagine leaning into it getting curious about it knowing that it's always just been there to protect you. All of emotions have been there to protect us. And thank it for its service. Bless it for having held on for so long to help you and invite it to be free or transform or move into the light. And then notice what happens. And oftentimes emotions are layered. So as one thing clears, it might move somewhere else or it might change in intensity or it might leave a spaciousness. So what I do with people um, is to help them go through these layer by layer by layer until they're settled in that peacefulness. Mm -hmm. And then you're done for the moment. Then you just fill up with light. And it's, and in doing that, you let go of all of these layers of caught emotions in the body and things spontaneously begin to shift or old pains just resolve themselves or um, relationships that have been um, a problem suddenly have a new lightness to them. Or you come into things in a new way because part of the story that you had locked up in those emotions is gone. is no longer there.
1: Yeah, that was really fabulous. Um, and As we were going through this exercise, I noticed that um, my sacrum and my tailbone were like going. "Ah, Pay attention to me. Uh
2: And and
1: you know, back in November, I had fallen and and broken my my tailbone and my sacrum, which was not one of my better moves. (laughs) And there's that story. Yeah. uh (laughs) And there's that story. but it was interesting that it wanted to be acknowledged. And so, you know, going in and just saying, you know, thank you, what do you want me to know? And it just, it, it's like, it just wanted to be seen. It wanted to be, a, it just wanted to say, hey, and 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 then, you know, there was this expansiveness that, that started yeah, and I could perfect. feel the release. It was really interesting. Wow. So thank you for that.
2: You're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. that was very cool. And just, you know, for people who, uh, who do this to know that it I mean, the story in the emotion doesn't have to be known in the head. The story in the emotion just needs to be, you just need to lean into it, recognize it and let it resolve. It'll resolve itself. You don't have to do anything else except be present with it. You don't have to go into the story. You don't have to examine the story. You don't have to have like therapy on the story. Like, you know, all that stuff is like, you can have it done like that. You just need to be present with it. Allow it so, to unwind and be present with it long enough for it to do that. And then just fill it with light because the, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So you yeah. want to be able sure you fill that space with, you know, love, light, appreciation, and let that be the new, the new thing that's in that space. It's really, I mean, it's easy. It's fabulous. And you can do it in the moment. Like I've done it, you know, in the middle of crises. I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm just release, release, release for like a couple of hours, you know. And one time, this was my favorite story about this. I um, was buying a plane ticket to go home and go back to to my, where my family lives. And um, I sat down to get the plane ticket and like, all oh, this stuff came up. I'm like, okay. So I sat with it for a little while and then I like clicked – you know, the date I wanted to go. And all this stuff came up. This went for four and a half hours. And I thought, i at all day. I'm going to be present with this. We'll see what happens. So I did this for four and a half hours and I just let everything unwind. But when I went home for two and a half weeks, zero triggers.
1: Wow. Zero. That's
2: huge. It was huge. So I did all that work in, in, in four and a half hours by myself without any conflict, without any drama. Um, and, and I just kept filling it with light every time I got to spaciousness and I clicked the next thing and then it would all come back up again. It was a new, different story come up, but all that story went away in that four and a half hours. It was amazing.
1: That is amazing. So what is it about story that we get so attached to? Why do we, and you may not know the answer to this, but why do you think that we are so attached to the story? Because that story often runs our lives, sometimes for decades.
2: Well, you know, I've been listening to Oprah and Eckhart Tolle talk about one of his books and I can't off the top of my head remember which book it is, but mm-hmm. it is, I think it's not, uh, I don't know. Anyway, they talk about the ego and um, he, he said, he says some really profound things and it's in a podcast actually um, about, you know, the ego and story and that the, you know, the story is the only thing that ego has to hold on to. Because mm. in the absence of the story, the ego, there's, there's, there's no ego. And we become, because we're so attached to what happens in our head, and our head is like the whole story that we tell, when all of a sudden there's not a story or there's, the story changes, like our whole perception of self is is changed or gone. And we get really attached to that perception of self because that's where our constancy and our safety is. Mm. Um, and if you can be in the safety of the presence and of knowing Um, and of being in that space, then you don't need the story to keep you safe, because you're in the reality of being safe.
1: Wow, that's profound. Thank you. Thank you. So how can people learn more about you? We are, unfortunately, the end of our time. Oh, my gosh.
2: Okay, well. And it just I,
1: flies, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> it does fly. So um, I sent you a link, and I don't know if you put your link on the podcast stuff. It, it, will, but be, it will be. It will be. Okay. Though. So, and if you're listening to this and you do not have the link, as um, you can go to my website. I was trying to put together a, a, a short link for it, and I didn't get that together before this. But it's Christine Madera, Christine with a K, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-M-A-D-E-R-A, like a mad era, um, dot com. And slash your dash free dash gifts with an S um that'll get you there or use the link on the podcast that'll work as well and there's a lot of stuff on my website that's free um i do predominantly work with oils and akashic records and things i don't do as much client work as i used to i don't even advertise that but if that's something that's appealing to you um you know message me with that and we can talk about that we
1: need to have you back on to talk about the akashic records because those are profoundly helpful so helpful (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us and they can get a hold of you at christinemadera.com.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Awesome. Thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for listening, for sharing your time with us. If you've liked this episode, please rate review and share it with your friends and uh, we look forward to having you back next time. Take care everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening. If this episode has touched your heart, Please rate and review it and then share it with all your loved ones. Reach out to Michelle and share your thoughts, feelings, and experiences at Michelle at EpicHealingTransformations.com.